Hi everyone and welcome to this fourth Sunday of Lent or the 27th of March 2022. Today is Mothering Sunday so we'll all be sharing Simnel cake after the service today. There's all sorts of things going on in the readings today particularly from uh, our reading from Joshua 5 that talks about um, Passover elements and I'll be trying to link that into our gospel reading today from Luke 15, which is the parable of the prodigal son. It's a very well-known parable, um, but there are elements of that that link into the idea of a new and renewing beginning that the Passover would be signaling in the Old Testament. So sit back and relax and enjoy today's sermon. The Lord be with you. The gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke Chapter 15, beginning at verse 11. Glory to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said, There was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So the father divided his property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and travelled to a distant country, and there he squandered his property in dissolute living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare? But here I am dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father. But while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. And the son, of, son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. And get the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his elder son was in the field. And when he, had come, when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the slaves and asked what was going on. He replied, your brother has come and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has got him back safe and sound. Then the elder son became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him, but he answered his father, Listen, for all these years I have been working like a slave for you, and I've never disobeyed your command. Yet you've never given me even a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came back, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. Then the father said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice, because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. 
This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Would you please be seated? And here we find ourselves again at Mothering Sunday, with its focus on Mother Church and refreshment with Simnel Cake. And I'm tempted here, because I know, to start a debate about the virtues of marzipan in said Simnel Cake. I can see those of you who would prefer it not to be there, but you will learn about virtuous living. But also, there has tended to be on Mothering Sunday a focus on mothers, motherhood and mothering figures. It's a day that's traditionally a little bit of the warm and fuzzies. And I'm sure we could all find stories of women who have demonstrated uh, a true motherly spirit. Indeed, I remember a few years back talking about my own grandmothers. Uh, one who uh, died in 1998, the other is still going, uh, not as well as she used to, but she's getting there. One of them taught me how to make scones and cakes, the other taught me how to body surf. Um, and I'm serious, you couldn't write that, but it's, but it's true. I have very fond memories of both, being in my grandmother's kitchen in Lota. Uh, helping her make cakes and scones and all sorts of stuff like that and just picking up the nuances. But also being at Kings Beach or Dickey Beach up at Caloundra with my grandmother out in the surf. They are great memories and we do need to recognise the societal notion here of mothers or those who have mothering influence, which would include the church, are those who are supposed to offer a love that looks beyond faults, failures and foibles. A love that shows humility and forgiveness. A love that teaches scone making 101 and body surfing 101. Now, I could go into a large riff about all of that sort of stuff, but I think we need to go deeper into the readings as a part of picking apart what that sort of love is, that love that uh, looks beyond faults and foibles and failures as a part of our ongoing Lenten journey and into Easter. So that being the case, I'd like to take some time this morning for us to view the landscape of our readings and to consider the significance in telling us about God's love for all of us uh, in that same way of looking beyond faults, foibles and failures as we journey towards Easter and what Tom Wright in our opening video would have called the new creation. So a couple of things struck me about our readings, and I'm considering the whole sweep of our readings today. The first thing I was drawn into was the notion of the celebration of the Passover in the, Jew in the Joshua reading. Passover is an interesting part of the Bible. The Passover narratives are an interesting part of uh, the Bible. And it's equally interesting to note that in the situation where Passover is mentioned throughout the Old Testament, so the Passover celebration is very often differently described. There isn't, there isn't necessarily throughout the Old Testament one uniform description of what the Passover is. And we see instances such as those in Exodus, the very first Passover, where it's presented as a rite that enabled God to recognise the homes of the Israelites. But when we consider the Passover narrative held in today's reading, it's a completely different picture that's presented. 
the people must be circumcised before they're allowed to observe the festival. And it does go on a lot in there about circumcision. The celebration is kept on the evening of the 14th day of the month and it's held in a sacred place. The next morning they eat unleavened cakes and parched grain. And in contrast to that, we see uh, further on in the Bible, Hezekiah's and Josiah's Passovers are much more elaborately described with many details about the temple practices, which include holy assembly, royal contribution of Passover lambs, sprinkling of blood, eating of unleavened bread, singing and ritual sanctification. But also in the Passover of the returned exiles, Remember the Jewish people were exiled into Babylon and then uh, on release they came back. So the Passover of the returned exiles, the, the accent or the emphasis in those narratives is also on cleanliness. And again, the Levites are the, the ones who, who kill the, the, the uh, Passover lamb on behalf of the rest of the community. Now all of that is, seems so heavy and confusing and there doesn't seem to be a great deal of commonality in the narratives. There is, but it, they seem quite different. But if we look closely at these rites, and by Hezekiah's time and Josiah's time, it's much more heavily codified as to how it's to happen. But it's a ritual and an idea and a seasonal practice, if you like, just as our Holy Week in Easter. That has an important part of is, a, is an important part of the life of those of Jewish heritage, and we see that that there's a very important common thread that runs through all of those Passover accounts, and the thread which is extremely important to our journey to Easter. Think out, thinking outside the box a little bit here shows us what's going on in these narratives, and what we see in each is a significant turning point in the history of the Israelites. In each example, there's a, a contrast between the old and the new. If you look at our, there's a statement there that the sin of Egypt has been undone now. So something's changed. The old is being drawn to a conclusion and something new is either occurring or in different accounts, something new is about to occur. So whenever you hear uh, clergy uh, in a pulpit talking about eschatological events, that's what they're talking about. Um, don't worry about the term. It's one of those theological terms that you don't really need to know. But if you have heard it and you do know it, that's what it is. The old is being drawn to a conclusion and something new is a, has either happened or is about to occur. Bearing that in mind and recognising that the, the following quote more relates to a discussion about Isaiah, the theologian Eric Zenger provides us a way to understand this. He indicates that God is giving something new to the people. God is giving something new to the people. But, and this is important, this doesn't mean that what God gives is going to replace or take over from the old, nor does it imply what's happening has never happened before, Rather, what it does signify is a new and renewing beginning. Now, so what, we might think. Lots of big words and confusing academic talk there, but what does it mean for Christian faith now? And this is the second thing that drew me in, in the letter to the Corinthians we heard today. Paul gives a tantalising glimpse of what all of that might mean. 
Now, the phrase that sticks out, I believe, is new creation. That is, as I said before, God is giving something new to the people, a new and renewing beginning. So that famous statement in that reading, if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. It belongs to Paul's argument that in Christ, we approach people with a totally new system of values. It means a whole lot of other things as well, but let's focus on that. Paul uses the idea of the new creation to underline his point that his opponents who boast in their pedigree and their achievements and are simply pandering to common human values rather than to what matters before God. So what Paul is doing here keeps bringing ministry and our lives in Christ back to God. And for, and for Paul, God is the compassionate one who therefore reconciles people to himself. This is one of Paul's favourite ways of describing what salvation means. It means being brought back into a right relationship with God. At the same time, Paul associates his reconciliation with his own call. So we're not only reconciled, but we're commissioned for the work of ministry or service or, the, or service of reconciliation. Love, which restores relationships with God, ultimately here for Paul, is the name of the game, whatever that looks like. Now, you might be thinking, what on earth has all of this talk about Passover and new creation got to do with today's gospel reading of the prodigal son? Well, I have to say it's absolutely critical to our gospel reading. Our gospel reading for today is all about God's movements, God bringing in a new and renewing beginning instead of, indeed, bringing in the kingdom. Unlike much of Luke's gospel, there's this great cosmic reversal that happens of the current order and Jesus provides us with a radical new vision of what the kingdom will be. But to see this in today's gospel, we have to look at this parable afresh and look beyond the accepted and predominant focus of the two brothers. I mean, the parable itself is called the parable of the prodigal son, which may or may not be correct, but the focus needs to change here. There's a need to look beyond the brothers in this story because the privilege of focus here really needs to go to the father. In this whole sordid tale, it's the father who demonstrates the maturity that God wants for us. And this is a maturity characterised by humility, love and forgiveness. After all, the actions of the father are completely unconventional in terms of uh, behaviour for a dignified man of affairs in the Palestinian cultural world. To leave the house to meet one of lower rank, to uh, run rather than walk sedately, to display emotions extravagantly and in public. In worldly terms, it's a serious loss of face and dignity. But all of this contains the makings of a moving away from a self-centred life. The father's able to put aside the anger at his son, his very human desire, and let's face it, we all want to do it. We all want to say, I told you so, to the younger son. His need for settling of the score for his own hurt feelings. And instead, the father simply, or maybe more accurately, extravagantly, welcomes the son back. He is breaking out of the cultural mould of self-justification and revenge in order to recognise the humanity of his son and rejoice in the good choice after the many bad ones.
In doing all of this, the Father in this parable shows us two things. How God relates to us and how we should relate to each other. In this story, we see the depths of God's love for us and for the whole world. Amazing as this may seem, given the current state of play in our world, I don't believe that God looks down on this world in despair, but instead he looks down in continuous love for his people. A love which sees all our faults, our failings and our foibles, all of our self-obsession and our violence, but which continues to want the best for us and to work with us and for us in ways that we can't imagine. Nevertheless, we have to recognise, and this is the more difficult bit, that the responsibility for our behaviour and how we treat each other firmly rests with us. We are beings which have been given free will and we must accept that the consequences of exercising that free will will affect creation and ultimately affect the new creation. Indeed, despite God's ushering in of a new creation, the bringing in of a new and renewing beginning, despite Jesus' redemptive purpose, despite the Spirit's ongoing and intimate closeness, the choice for love or self-centeredness ultimately rests with each one of us. Now, when we look at the sweep of our scripture today, could any of that fit any better with what I said at the beginning about Mothering Sunday, being that expression of deep and abiding love that looks beyond our faults, our failings and our foibles? This is about the kingdom amongst us. And as we approach Easter, a new and renewing beginning rises to greet us. And it's such a wonderful example of this today to have a baptism in this service. A new and renewing beginning for Emma. And as we look to the new creation which God freely gives us, gives to us in the life, death and resurrection of his son, we bear that in mind in conjunction with a world which sees ongoing war and hatred, exploitation and poverty, which oppresses people's basic freedoms and sees children dying from preventable diseases and unclean drinking water. And so I ask, is the question to choose to love as we have been loved and continue to be loved really that hard? In the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, Amen. That brings our podcast to an end for this week. If there's anything more you'd like to know about the parish, you can always check us out at our website, which is www.eastredlandanglican.com.au. You'll be able to find lots of links there to our Facebook page, to our Vimeo and YouTube channels, and to our Apple Podcast channel. You'll be able to go through the website there and find out any other information you want to know about our service times or baptisms and confirmations and things like that. Um, so check us out there um, have a look and if there's anything you need please don't hesitate to send us an email or give us a call um, and we look forward to seeing you again next week God bless